and welcome to A Peace of Mind. This is a podcast about cognition and the cognitive sciences. Cognitions are mental processes involved in comprehending and making sense of sensory information, processing that information and guiding behaviour. Examples of cognitions include attention, memory, judgment, reasoning, problem solving, language and decision making. In the first episode, I will talk about the speed of cognition. Imagine you were driving your car down the street and a pedestrian suddenly steps out in the road. You need to react quickly and stop the car. However, your reaction won't be instant as it takes a certain amount of time for the sensory information about what is on the road to be processed, a decision to press the brake needs to be made and the signal needs to travel from your brain to your foot on the pedal. How long would this series of events take? For highly attentive drivers, this is about one second, but why? Neurons are the hardware used to transmit and process information in the brain. Individual neurons work by communicating electrical and chemical signals. However, these signals take time to transmit across and between neurons. This means that if you were to tickle the foot of a mouse and the foot of a giraffe at the same time, the mouse would feel it first because the signal has less distance to travel from the mouse's foot to its brain. Our cognitions, such as perception, decision-making and self-awareness, result from complex networks of neurons, and therefore these processes take time. First, I will talk about the early research that attempted to measure the speed of our cognitions. Next, I will talk about reaction times in different sensory modalities, as not all senses are equal. Finally, I will talk about the time it takes for more complex cognitions, specifically language and memory retrieval. The process of measuring the speed of mental processes is called mental chronometry. Mental chronometry is conducted by measuring reaction times in cognitive tasks, such as a memory test or an IQ test which can be used to make inferences about the underlying processes. Francis Cornelius Donders first pioneered mental chronometry in 1871 by building a machine called a phonautograph. The phonautograph was one of the earliest known devices for for recording sounds. It consisted of a tuning fork attached to a rotating drum made of plaster of Paris. The drum was was rotated and any vibrations in the tuning fork, for example caused by sound waves from somebody singing nearby, would be etched into the drum. The vibrations etched into the drum were called a phonautogram and this was one of the earliest methods for recording sound. One of the earliest phonautograms from 1869 was converted back into sound using modern photo engraving in 2008 and you can listen to this recording of somebody singing now. Franciscus Donders adapted the phonautograph for his experiments. Other than singing, different types of events could be recorded onto the drum, such as when a light had turned on or a button had been pressed. First he measured the speed of perception by taking a measure called simple reaction time, which is the time it takes to react to whether or not a stimulus has appeared and involves no complex decision making. This simple reaction time is much like the example of slamming on the brakes in the car when somebody steps out into the road. His participants were shown a light and asked to press a button as soon as they saw the light turn on. Whenever the light turned on or the participants pressed the button, 
the machine recorded it onto the rotating drum. By measuring the distance between the light and response, and employing a bit of simple maths, this distance could be converted into a measurement of time. Franciscus was able to calculate their simple reaction time, and on average he found that this process took about one quarter of a second. Because of his success measuring simple reaction time, Franciscus went on to use the phonautograph to measure the duration of more complex mental processes. This time, he investigated not only simple perception, but more complex perceptual decision-making, which in this case was to decide whether one or another light bulb had turned on. He showed his participants two light bulbs, one which emitted white light and another which emitted red light. His participants this time had two buttons to press, one for when the white light turned on and another for when the red light had turned on. In this new task, he found that his participants took about 400 milliseconds to respond. However, the only difference between the simple, comp- simple task and this more complex task was that the second task involved an additional decision, that being which light had turned on. Therefore, any difference in reaction time must be due to the decision-making process. This insight allowed him to measure the time it takes to make a decision. Because perceptual decision-making took 400 milliseconds, while simple response time was 250 milliseconds, he subtracted one from the other and worked out that deciding which light had turned on took about 150 milliseconds on average. Since those early days of Franciscus, our understanding of perceptual reaction times has developed further, using more advanced technology such as computers which can now carefully control the timing and measurement of stimuli. In fact, our reaction times differ depending on the sensory modality we're using, such as whether the task is to react to the onset of a tone, or the vibration uh, from a pad held against the skin. It has been shown that we perceive the sense of touch the fastest, which can be detected in about 140 milliseconds. Next, it takes us about 160 milliseconds to respond to sounds. Finally, as Franciscus found, it can take us up to about 250 milliseconds to detect the onset of a light. The fact that we are relatively slow to visual changes is not all that surprising, for two reasons. First, the photosensitive cells in the retina take time to convert incoming light into an electrical signal before that signal is sent to the brain for further processing. Second, vision is our primary sense and receives more processing power than any other sense. Large parts of the brain are devoted to processing visual information and all of this processing power takes additional time. Beyond simple perception, mental chronometry has also been used to measure more complex cognitions and the first of these I will talk about is the organisation of language in the brain. One way in which the organisation of language has been understood is with the use of a task called the lexical decision task. The lexical decision task is a cognitive task where participants are shown a string of letters and asked to decide whether or not the string they see is a real word or a made-up word called a pseudo-word. An example of a pseudo-word might be woogie, It is completely meaningless, but follows the rules of the language. On average, it takes no longer than two seconds to recognise a word in this task. When presented with real and highly familiar words, such as cat or bag, 
People respond more quickly than to less familiar words, such as empiety or jocund. Furthermore, we respond even more slowly to made-up words such as snarp or block. These findings and others suggest that words are stored in a hierarchical network where highly frequent words can be accessed more easily than words which we rarely ever use. The last example of mental chronometry is the speed at which we can retrieve memories. Mental chronometry can be used to answer fundamental questions about how information is processed in the brain. For example, one long-standing debate is whether information is processed serially or in parallel. For example, when recognising an object, is it compared to many different items in memory all at once, or is memory searched sequentially for the item that needs to be recognised? In one paper in 1977, participants were shown a list of words to remember, shortly followed by a memory test. On average, the participants could correctly recognise the test word in 475 milliseconds. When they were asked to remember longer lists of words, they took an additional 38 milliseconds for every additional word they were asked to remember. This finding tells us that memory was searched serially for the, te for the test item. However, the debate about whether memories are retrieved serially or in parallel continues to rage on to this day. So, what is the speed of thought? The answer to this depends on the type of thought that you're talking about. Even with simple word recognition, reaction times vary depending on the type of memory system that is involved. Franciscus Donders showed that our fastest response times take about 250 milliseconds in the simplest of tasks, and it takes an additional 150 milliseconds to make perceptual decisions. Retrieval from short-term memory takes somewhat longer, about 475 milliseconds to retrieve a single item, and up to 2,000 milliseconds for recognition of words from long-term memory. Therefore, the speed of cognition is pretty darn fast, from as little as 150 to 2,000 milliseconds, depending on the cognition. Thank you for listening. This was the first in a series of podcasts on cognitive science. If you found it interesting and would like to hear more, or if you have any questions or topics you would like me to cover, then please do get in touch. Now that we know how quickly the brain processes information, I'm planning another episode on the limits of information processing. How many bits can the brain process at once? The theme music for today's podcast was Cool Cat by Andrew McLeod. Thank you for listening. Thank you.